Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Welcome back to the Green Street Hammers YouTube podcast as a new little series that we're trying out. Uh, today I'm joined by Jack. How are you doing, Jack? I'm good, Henry. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's always nice to get asked how I'm doing. Uh, Lou, how are you doing? This is your second one of this. Are you enjoying being on screen? Yeah, it's nice to see your lovely faces again. I can't wait. To, uh, just can't wait for the season to start. Yeah. And Adam, you're back, um, which is always great to see. How are you doing? I'm good. Brimming with excitement. Can't wait to get uh, the season underway and just rip the Band-Aid off and what should be torturous a uh, couple of months coming up. Great. So that's good to hear everyone's like, doing well, well, at least until Saturday evening for the people in England. You will have the rest of the day to enjoy, Adam, um, <laughs> after whatever happens, but we'll get on to that. Um, so today we're going to start off with some Hammers Polls questions, a bit of a favourite of the Green Street Hammers podcast. Um, for the first one, this is from Spennyboy7, Spenny underscore boy underscore seven. Uh, he asks, how many signings by the end of the window do you think West Ham made, not including Thomas Suchek? So, Jack, I'll come to you first. The options are zero, which is positive, one, two, or three plus. I think this is optimistic, a two. Like, it's bad, but I feel like that's probably what the most we'll get, really. I don't think Moyes is going to get backed enough to bring in who he wants. And there's no point panic buying because then it's just going to waste the little money that we have. I yeah, think, I yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Lou, I, don't even, I don't know what's happening anymore. <laughs> Lou, what about you? What do you think? Um, say it's so difficult to call at the minute. Um, I'll, I'd probably go with two, to be honest. I think whether it's Tarkovsky or not, I think we'll bring a defender, a centre-back. And, um, you know, I, I think we've all been calling for a left-back all summer long now. So if we can get a centre-back and a left-back in, it'll be OK. Ideally, I'd like another attacking player, but those two are the main priority. So I'll, I'll go with two as well. Adam and yourself? I, I'm going to say three just to try and be optimistic here. I think we'll get a center back, and I think I think it'll be Tarkovsky. I, I don't know why I'm – I think it's just basically like trying to throw everyone a bone here and be like, oh, we, you know, the board being like, we, we, we are trying to get players and we are trying to get elite players. We are trying to back the managers. I think Tarkovsky – I think we'll get a another center back – slash fullback some like a versatile player younger player the um i can't remember his name but the player the japanese player 
um, in Syria. I think he would be solid, and I think we could see even um, a left-back loan. I think that makes sense. Uh, and then also, I think a striker loan or a super cheap option for a striker. Um, maybe a couple deadline day deals to get over the line there. But I think four is what I'm going to call here. Um, and with at least one of our already existing center backs going out the door. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm actually in agreement with Adam. I think we are going to sign three or more players. Like, I feel the board know there's a lot of like tension between themselves and the fans. And I feel like, I think, we're, I think you're right. I think we're going to get a center back. Whether it's Tarkovsky or not, I don't know. I think everyone's feeling quite confident about it, but I don't know why, because it's a whole bunch of rumors whether or not he wants to actually move away from Burnley or not. But I think we will actually get a left and right back. I think we'll get at least, I think it will happen. Whether or not there are improvements on what we have at the moment remains to be seen. Um, And I do think we will get an attacker because David Sullivan just loves signing a rogue attacker to try sell season tickets one way or another. Whether or not it's some unknown from Argentina that's not been like sort of released to the media and to the public yet remains to be seen. But I do actually think we will make signings. It's just whether or not they're the right ones, of course. And no one, you'd never really know if they're the right ones until a few months after they've signed. Like Haller, everyone thought was the right signing. And then after the first month, everyone was like, yeah, he is. And then his form dropped off. So I do think we will make signings. Whether or not they're the right ones, that's what remains to be seen. So this is a bit of a Green Street Hammers first, where we're a bit of a pickle of what to go for as our decision. Yeah. As the host, I'm going to take the uh, reins of So I'm going to say we're going to si- sign three or more players. I hope you guys are all right with that. Don't, don't shoot me. That's fine. <laughs> we are way off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so three or more was 4.5% of the vote. Two was 19.1% of the vote. And one was 34% of the vote with the majority of the vote going to zero new signings, 42.4%. So that is a optimistic outlook. um so for the next one a bit of a preview for the newcastle west ham game uh the question is who's the better manager david moyes or steve bruce adam i'll come to you first i voted on this one and i voted david moyes um i don't know why i voted that i think it's two managers that teams don't want their team or that supporters don't want their team to have um, and I'm a West Ham supporter, so I guess I'll just try and try and support David Moyes here. But uh, both of them are not new and exciting. Both of them are not, uh, you know, the next best thing. Both of them are not going to attract top talent because they want to come play under either of these guys. I think it's a coin flip, but I'll take David Moyes because he's the hammer. Mm. And Lou, what about you? I mean, over the course of the career, I don't think anyone could argue against Moyes over Bruce some what he achieved with a limited budget at uh, uh, Bruce has been club hopping over years but they're both uh, like Adam says they're both a bit I think out of date might might be a, is that harsh I don't know but um, I think Looking at Bruce from the outside, Newcastle fans, despite them having a decent season last season and then probably in most fans' eyes overachieving, they still, I just don't think he could do anything for them to warm to him. Whereas I think 
over the past few months, West Ham fans are starting to warm to Moyes a little bit more than when he first took over. In a, in a way, I think we feel a bit sorry for him and we're willing to back him. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, got, I'd personally rather have Moyes in charge. I think I think he's proved more of his, over his career than Bruce has done. And uh, yeah, but I, I don't think it's uh, I think it's quite close uh, nowadays anyway. And Jack, who do you think? Uh, yeah, I'd uh, have to agree. I think Moyes is probably by far better out of both of them. I don't think Steve Bruce is a great manager at all, really. And I'd say, um, as Lou said, that Moyes has uh, proved himself more with like a smaller budget and doing taking Everton as high as they were. And um, well, he's definitely got the potential to do it with us, really. It's just whether or not he gets backed or not. But obviously, he hasn't been backed this summer. So, yeah. Of course. I mean, I think for me, I'd probably say Moyes as well. Like, not for where he got Everton too, but the fact he was like the chosen one to replace Alex Berks at United, even though Steve Bruce is the ex-United legend and was a manager, they wanted Moyes instead because Ferguson saw the potential in Moyes. And I agree, like, Moyes has never really been backed. Even at United, he wasn't really given the finances that everyone else has seemed to be able to dip into since they've replaced him. And I do think there is potential with Moyes at West Ham, but it's just not sort of happening with the current ownership as it is at the moment because no money's being spent. Obviously, I know we've, we've bought Suchek, but it's not full backing him because he came in with this idea of the Red Bull project and model. And with, even though Tarkowski's a promising player, he doesn't fit what the plan was. Like 27, great player, but he's not that young, hungry from a lower division or even still the Premier League, but from a club that coming to West Ham wanting to prove himself. And Tarkowski's already done that. Like he would be a great signing for West Ham, I'm sure. But... He's going to be 30 to 40 million pounds at this rate, going up every day, it seems. So he's not really being backed and it's just sort of going back into that old scattergun approach at the moment rather than that sort of philosophy. But in terms of the football, I think they're both very similar sort of styles. I think they both get positives out of different players. Um, I'd have hoped David Moyes would be able to get what Bruce got out of Almerion with Felipe Anderson which hasn't happened yet, but he's still able to get it out of the players like Arnautovic when he was there the first time and he's getting out of Antonio at the moment. So I think I'll agree with the consensus and go with David Moyes. And we are in the majority. Uh, 65.1% of people say David Moyes is the better manager. That's the most he's been backed in two years. (laughs) Absolutely. Hopefully the board take notice. Um, And this is a question from Hammers fan... 02380. Uh, if Gold, Sullivan, and Brady sell the club, but the last thing they do before they leave is set. Um, sorry. I don't really know what that. Sorry, I've read that and it's not really a question. Uh, <laughs> Gold and Sullivan. Basically, like, would you be happy if Gold, uh, uh, Sullivan, okay. Gold, and Brady left but sold Rice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, would you be happy if Gold and Sullivan sold the club, but the last thing they did was sell Declan Rice? on a free, uh, would you be happy with that? Uh, I'll come to Lewis first. That's such a hypothetical question because it just <laughs> would never happen. But, um, well, I think for the greater good of the club, yes. <laughs> but uh, losing Declan ranks on a free would be pretty heartbreaking. So, uh, 
begrudgingly yes, but it's such a weird question to answer. Yeah, Jack, would you rather keep them in charge and Rice stay or sold for what he's worth? Or let Declan go, sacrifice him, or as Lou put it, the greater good of the club? Yeah, Lou took the words out of my mouth. Like For the greater good, you'd have to have to sacrifice him for that. Obviously, yeah, it would break your heart to see it happen, but sorry, Declan, <laughs> off you go. And Adam, what about you? I think they're going to sell Declan anyways, and I think they're also going to sell anyways. So I will go against the grain here and say either keep him and keep Sullivan in gold for the near future, um, or if they sell him for $80 million and they also leave, I'm okay with that because... Like you guys said, greater good of the club. Get those three out of it. Yeah, I think I've got to agree with the, as in Hot Fuzz would say, the greater good with my appalling Somerset accent. But I think it is probably more important to have a new beginning for the club under a new exciting ownership. And the majority of people said they would let Declan Rice leave on a free. 51%, so very close. Mm. But it's quite a... For what Declan Rice does for us West Ham fans, it's quite a sad state that we didn't let him go for free in order to see that change happen at the club. So, yeah, it's a very odd one to sort of make of that. Very, as Lou said, very hypothetical. (laughs) And I don't think it's likely to happen. Um, Now, this is a question from Greenshaw Hammer's favourite, Tony Pearson too. Um, For current transfer rumours at the moment, who would you take if you had to choose? So the Lazio left-back, Jordan Lukaku, uh, Gerard De Feo from Watford, Johnny Evans from Leicester, or Fernando Llorente, the former Tottenham striker, I think is about 35 years old. Um, Jack, I'll come to you first. It's between De Feo and Lukaku because those are obviously positions that we need. Um, so was it if we can only sign one of them? Yeah. I mean, it'd have to be Lukaku, wouldn't it, really? Because we, we desperately need a left-back. I can't stand the thought of us going into the season with Cresswell again. I, I, I can't bear it. I, it has to be Lukaku for me, really. De La Faye would be great as well. Good Dean Garner replacement if we could do that. But now with those options, you've got to go Lukaku, I think. Yeah. Adam, what about you? I'm I'm I got the same split because both are needs, right? So I think I would go um, De La Feo because he can play search, uh, striker too. Like he played in the dual striker system, so I think that could work. He's quick and shifty and shoots the ball, uh, so he could be a good foil for Haller. But uh, as far as Lukaku is concerned, I've been reading. I don't I haven't watched him play much or at all outside of some highlights, and I think he's uh, of the Mazuaku mold more so. And he's very attacking, gets fourth. He's played left wing as well. So um, I'll go for the for the striker winger uh, and hope that we get in someone that can defend better because going forward right now, Mazuaku's fine. Yeah. And Lou, what about you? Yeah, I just looked it up online and I, I thought Lukaku was a lot older. He's only 26, but feels like he's been around forever in my head for some reason. I think we've been linked with him for about the last three years. Yeah. That's probably why. Um, yeah, I watched him a little bit when he first joined Lazio, and uh, I think his problem was defending, so uh, more so than going forward, which obviously is a problem we already have. Um, but I, I've not watched him over the last couple of years, so whether he's improved on that or not, I'm not sure. 
whether I'd like take that risk to say I'd take him over Delafeu right now, then uh, I'd probably go yeah, just like Jack says, just on based on how much we need a left back. Uh, but I, I do like the sound of bringing Dale Feu in. Uh, he he's a really exciting. He is inconsistent like uh, Anderson, but when he's on his game, he can really hurt teams. And like Adam says, he's uh, quite versatile in those attacking positions. But uh, if we could bring both in, that'd be great. But uh, I'd I'd like to think we could get a better left back in than Lukaku anyway. But out of the four, I'd. That's that's probably up for Lukaku just based on the need of the position. I've got a great affiliation with Jordan Lukaku ever since going back to the first sort of lockdown podcast we did where Adam and I played FIFA and I think I scored an amazing goal of Lukaku. So <laughs> Badger side want to say just for that. I think because I've I've watched him a bit and he like as you say, he's very of the Maziraku mould and I just sort of see he's a bit too similar to sort of go for. So I'd rather get Dare the Feu, who would be brilliant in that left mid left wing role and would be a great Diangana replacement and hope that we were able to get a better left back. Because I think the quality Dare the Feu can offer to left wing compared to the quality Lukaku could offer to left back is a far, far more. So my choice would be Dare the Feu. So is that two for Lukaku, two for Dare the Feu again? Yeah. Just convinced me to change to Dare the Feu, so it's three to one. <laughs> All right, so we'll go with Dare Lefeu. <laughs> well, 45.7% of people say Jordan Lukaku. Has left back. I think the fact it says left back is the winger, <laughs> yeah. the winner there. Because in my head, he's like a left wing back, left winger, more so than like the traditional sort of left back. I think we'd do better with sign, sort of sign like a James Tompkins when he was at right back, but for left back, someone that's just a defender. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Dare Lefeu got 28.8%. Johnny Evans got 23.2%. And Fernando Llorente got 2.2%. I think I've been put off by his age. Just yeah. what um, you were, sorry, sorry, Henry. What you were saying about Tompkins going to right back? You think we could probably like Ogbonna's played left back, hasn't he? Could probably stick Ogbonna the there. This is a thought I had the other day with when I saw the Tarkowski rumours. Yeah, I was seeing 30 million for a centre back at the moment is huge, huge amount of money for us at the moment. And, all of a sudden, a load of left-back rumours sort of just died off. Like, Rico Henry's just vanished. Yeah. Obviously, I know the Ukrainian, I know Adam asked me to pronounce his name earlier, and I've already forgotten it, um, sort of, like, is there. But you've got the right-back from Japan, Tomiyasu. But, like, there's so this sort of attempted movement with left-back at the moment, it seems. And I almost had the thought of, like, is... And David Moyes sort of had that, oh, that whole, I'm going to re invent the defence and maybe one of the things he's going to try to do is Ogbonna at left back the only problem with that though is we would essentially be losing our best centre back wouldn't we so yeah but if you argue Ogbonna and you get Tarkowski as the yeah I mean Um, long term I don't I I wouldn't really want Ogbonna playing left back because I think he's lost his pace that he used to have where he could have been a reliable left back. I think he's great at that left centre back because he can cover when he has to, which is a lot at the moment. But to be that out and out left back, I don't think he's got the pace to do it anymore. Especially as even if we were wanting that defensive left back, 
we still need a left back to sort of push up every now and again and cross a ball. And I don't think Ogbonna is that man. I mean, he's Italian. He's got plenty of pedigree in his like footballing ability, but I don't think he's got quite got that like whipped cross as Cresswell used to have or the pace Masuaku has to get in behind. But I don't know. I just had that random thought the other day of like, is he going to try this? Because that could be something that was would have been brilliant three, four years ago. Yeah. But maybe not so now. For West Ham fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best West Ham videos and podcasts, download the free COY Irons app now from the App Store and Google Play. Anyway, I think we'll do our last Hammers Polls question before we take a quick break and move on. So the last one is from at Billy Joel Astrid. As a fan, what would you want David Moyes to do? I think this is in reference to the Dean Garner situation, the sort of rumours about David Moyes potentially walking from the club. So one option is walk out in protest, stay and say nothing, stay and speak out, or throw down his tools. I don't really know the difference between that one and staying and speaking out, or is he just going to be like, I'm not leaving, but you've got to sack me kind of thing. So Adam, I'll come to you first. I guess stay and say nothing. I don't know. Like him leaving is going to screw the team over. Him talking is going to create more of a circus, pardon the word choice there, around the club anyways. Um, I think you had Noble speak out, which is 10 times more impactful than Moyes because Moyes is here for a job. Noble's here for life. Um, So I think that's that's the biggest player we could have had or or biggest person we could have had come out and say anything. Um, So I do think that the damage or the the movements already happened. I don't think Moyes is going to change the world or the board. If he speaks out, he may just lose his job, um, which is probably going to happen anyways by the end of October, judging by our fixtures. So uh, I think, yeah, just just do your job. Focus on. I'd rather him just focus on get like the players that we have, getting them ready, getting the defense tidy, doing whatever he's got to do in that sense. But yeah, just don't say anything. I, I don't think he has anything revolutionary to to share with anyone else. Yeah, Lou, what about you? I don't know why I keep saying it like that. I just keep doing this rhyme, Lou, what about you? But yeah, what do you think Moy should do? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with Adam, really. I think at the moment we just need some form of stability within the club. And Moy's coming out speaking against the board. Especially, I know it's only been a week, but we've got a game coming up. It, it has been a week now. It's in a sense, we need to put the Dean Garner transfer behind us. Uh, just for now, anyway. Not in the grand scheme of things, but for now. And I think he just needs to focus on on the game on Saturday and the fixtures ahead and do his job as, as, as a manager and not be a spokesperson for the club and the fan base. Yeah. And Jack? I'm gonna to have to agree with but over what Henry and uh, sorry, well, what Adam and Lou have both said really like it's not really obviously it's not ideal that he's done it at all, but it would create more tension than we than we need, especially before a game. So it's probably probably the more sensible thing to do to just not say anything. Yeah, I think I agree. Sort of just get on with your job. It's if they're gone about if they've gone behind your back and done it, of course, it's going to be annoying. But I think the position David Moyes in is quite a unique one in terms of the fact. I don't think there's a lot waiting for him if he does leave West Ham, especially in that sort of way. 
Although there is a small part of me that did very much enjoy that sort of text message that went around Twitter the other day suggesting Karen Brady shouted, you're sacked at him after they had a whole fight and half the club were at war and Mark Noble putting tackles on probably half of Mazaraka and laughing at him. It's ridiculous stuff and it sounded like civil war had broken out at the club. Yeah. I mean, as soon as I read that, I was like, that's just ridiculous. Some of the people that were believing it, I was like, really? I know West Ham is like great for stories and interesting stuff happening and just chaos, but even that is going too far. But in terms of Dave Moore, I mean, there's a small part of me that would love it if he did just like completely leave the club and just be like, oh, I've had, had it with this and just went on talk sport and went, oh, you won't believe the stuff that happens here and everything. But no, I think I've got to agree with everyone. I think in terms of as a fan of the club, I think it'd best him stay because, I mean, I don't know what else we would do if Moyes was to leave and just focus on the team, focus on what he can control and try to get West Ham to the best position as possible with a tough run of fixtures coming up. So let's just have a check and see what everyone else says. Um, so we were saying stay and say nothing, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, so 25.9% of people said walk out in protest. Uh, only 6.3% of people said stay and say nothing. Uh, 66.4% of people said stay and speak out, which I think is almost the same as walking out in protest because he won't be walking, he'll be pushed. And 1.4% of people said throw his tools down. So very sort of, uh, I think a lot of people are very emotive when they're answering that. Like we just want the carnage to happen so the board are in no position but to other than to sell. So yeah, that'll be the end of the first part of the podcast. Uh, we'll be right back. That was really good. Oh, we went for a while. Yeah. <laughs> That was good. Um, I had to move around there. My legs went to sleep because I sat on them. Because I don't have like a chair, I only have like a bench. Let's get a drink. Um, by the way, since uh, I don't know if you guys saw me just rapidly reading in the background here, um, Spencer FC and Secret Agent took a shot at X in their little recording. So uh, X decided to open up his DMs and stay to him and, and say, what? like, yeah, yeah. I, I think the guy in the clip just said like that every club had, has these like in the nose and I like, obviously cited ex West Ham employee as one he was like they all have their forces I have mine kind of thing so it wasn't as much there's another clip it wasn't as much of a dig rather more uh, he has his sources I've got mine like it's a differing in opinion I think there was a different part yeah, of the clip different. that came out because he's, he just tweeted I think I said some things in my stream earlier about ex West Ham employee his motives, which were off the mark, and I apologize, have followed him for many years, and we've cleared the air. His insights are usually very accurate. He remains the top source yeah. for specifically West Ham stuff. And because X basically said, if they want to play this game, I'll, I'll expose who Secret Agent is right now because I know who it is. <laughs> or do you reckon he's just said, you got to say who you are, or I'll expose you? But I guess probably the Secret Agent guy could probably do the exact same back to X. Spence. Yeah, although if you yeah. follow Bianca Westwood, you've seen X before many times. So, oh really? He messaged me the other day, X. Um, oh, really? I did. Um, I can't remember the transfer story I was doing, but um, X messaged me being like, "Oh, when you like use my information, can you like quote me?" I had. I'd like put a link to his Twitter, but also like with fan sided, like you have to use like verified sources. 
and stuff so it's always a bit of that like weird middle ground he said oh, he's got the same with like sky sports and everything of like people using his stuff but not citing him i was just like oh my god like he missed me like oh hi henry and i had to mess about like hi x i don't know <laughs> who it is <laughs> um but yeah i was just like i was literally just sat watching the tv and my girlfriend was next to me and my phone went off and she was like isn't that the guy you're always talking about that's like knows everything i was like yeah i don't know what to do i thought i'd be able to get in trouble <laughs> But yeah, so part two, we'll do Tarkowski and owners, and then we'll finish with the Newcastle stuff. Okay. Okay. Welcome back to the Green Street Hammers podcast. Uh, in the per first part, we covered some Hammers polls questions. Now we're going to talk about probably the most uh, relevant transfer rumour at the moment, which is James Tarkowski, the Burnley defender, 27, 26 years old, a very sort of established has an England international cap, at least one or two, I think. But I think he'd be a very solid defender uh, for West Ham. But I think at the moment, the price that's being offered is £30 million, which would make him our most expensive defender of all time. And I think our third highest ever transfer fee. Um, so, Jack, you're nodding a lot. So I'll come to you first. Like, do you think Tarkowski would be good value for money? Yes, I, th I think he would be, to be fair, because I think we do desperately need to improve the defence. But, like, overall, I'd say yes, but at the moment, I wouldn't say so, because 30 million for one player, given our situation, is, is quite a lot of money, considering we need, to, we need a, another left-back, another right-back, and potentially uh, a left-winger to replace Dean Garner. You might think, like, if we do sign Tarkowski, that could quite possibly be all the money gone. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a win-lose situation, really, I think. But I'd love, I'd love Tarkowski, really. He'd really improve our back line and bring some much-needed leadership, I think. Yeah, I think he'd be a, like a very solid centre-back. There's no sort of arguing that. So, Lou, I saw on Twitter, well, she's always saying slightly different. Uh, I saw someone say, why are we spending £30 million plus pounds on Tarkowski when we could sign Rico Henry, Tommy Asu, and Adam's going to say the Ukrainian player's name right now? Oh, you must be talking about uh, Mikola Matvienko. Yeah, meet the uh, Matvienko. Um, do you think you'd rather have the three or Tarkowski? Um, it's difficult to say because of only ever really watched who was the second one sorry? Tommy Asu. Rico Henry Tommy Asu and yeah I mean, I've only really seen any of Rico Henry out of the three so it's difficult for me to say whether I would want the three in for more depth uh, and arguably less quality than Tarkowski would bring Um. But uh, I, I, I have been calling for Rico Henley, as I, as I know a lot of people have for quite a while. Um, but I think I think by the sounds of it, it's off the cards at the minute. I, th I don't think Brentford are willing to sell for less than a decent price. And um, yeah, I, I do like Tarkovsky, to be honest. Um, I think people... I've questioned whether he looks so good because he is in Burnley's and Dyke's traditional system, which 
arguably gets the best out of defenders. But I think overall, as a defender, he has the quality and I think he could move on to a a more progressive system and still stand out uh, based on what I've seen anyway. I think he's good on the ball. I think he's he's got a decent amount of pace. He's not the fastest in the world, uh, but he's he's got a decent amount of pace. But I think his reading of the game is very good as well, as well as his tra- as the traditional defending qualities such as you know blocking, clearances, heading heading away. Uh, so I, I I really would like Tarkovsky, but like you say, the price I I didn't expect us to go out and you know be splashing out that kind of money on one player. So, uh, just based on the fact that I've seen a lot of Tarkovsky and I've only seen Henry and not really any of the other two, I'd I'd possibly go for Tarkovsky. But uh, uh, it would be nice to get some depth in the defensive positions, anyway. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he'd be a sort of he'd be a very solid centre back to have. Of course, he would like look at what he does at Burnley. Of course, they've got a system built around that, but. He's a fantastic centre-back and he's very sort of that West Ham mould of like an English centre-back. I think the fans would sort of really embrace him. But like Adam, like, do you think he is what the club need to be spending this amount of money on? Like the fact it's £30 million, which would make him the third most expensive defender, well, the third most expensive player in West Ham's history. And he's not young, young. He's 26, 27. So he's in the prime of his sort of career, obviously I know defenders can go on longer, so he could have six years left. But with thirty million pounds, which of a summer where he struggled to spend money or even put offers for players like you know, Eze, he's gone to QPR, uh, gone to Crystal Palace from QPR because we couldn't afford the twenty million pounds. Like the Dean Garner eighteen million must have been crucial because we must have only had twelve million to not even be able to offer for Eze. Do you think it's sort of the right thing for the club to do? I think, yes, it is. I'm not entirely sold on it, but the behind the scenes economics may make more sense. And I don't know if you guys read the report as well that there's a sell-on fee of like 7.5% or something like that to Brentford, yeah. uh, which could then loosen them up to sell Henry. Um, so I think you could see sort of that domino effects happen afterwards uh, with the sale. Also, there's been no there's been no links to Henry to any other team as far as I know. Um, there hasn't really even been links to West Ham. Everyone just wants him to come because we've been watching uh, Ollie Watkins and Ben Rama all, all season. Uh, but I think we could start to see that heat up a bit. He's English, he's young, so Henry makes sense. But Tarkovsky, yeah, he, he's he's not you know 24 years old, but he's 20 or 21 or 22, whatever. But he's 26, and like you said, Henry, he's a center back. So generally speaking, having less, uh, having to like run less and and whatnot. Uh, should preserve him for a while. Ogbon is 32. He's playing the best football of his West Ham career, arguably, uh, in, in last season and hopefully coming into this year. So um, who knows about you know where his signing would fit in. Um, 30 million is a lot, and I and I do get the impression that everyone's under the the or everyone thinks that West Ham should spread that money out. Um, but I I did a little digging on. Uh, uh, Matt Vienko today, uh, and Arsenal were linked with him in January, so much so that I googled his name. And Arsenal fans HD made a YouTube video in January saying, "Who will sign Ovsky, uh, Matt Vienko, or Tomiyasu?" 
if there's any legitimate links to the the two uh, the, the other two. Um, I don't think in any scenario we get all three of those players, or if you mix in Henry, I don't think uh, we'll get all four or anything like that. So, well, I think that would be a solid revamp of the defense. I, I do think um, Tarkovsky, you know what you're getting with him. Sure, you may have to pay a premium because he's coming from Burnley. Um, but I think there is a difference there between him and someone that's unproven in the Prem. I wanted to ask you guys as well. Um, the biggest hang-up with him right now is that he, quote, doesn't want to come to West Ham. But the only report I've seen is that he didn't like living in Brentford when he used to play for them. So I think people are making a pretty big jump. And he, he said basically he enjoys like family life up north or up more north in England. So um, I, have you guys heard anything about him saying he doesn't want to play at West Ham? Because the two reports are conflicting. Like he doesn't want to come to London. He doesn't want to play for West Ham versus... If West Ham offer enough money, he's gonna come down to he's gonna come down to London. So is it a cash thing? Is it just people trying to connect dots that are there? What do you guys think? I think there's sort of a strong part of the fact that if you're Tarkowski, a lot of it is uh probably I'll say anything to get a bit more money on my contract, of course. There's also a lot a very big difference between living in Brentford and where I think most West Ham players live of Surrey and Essex. Very, very different sort of lifestyles. But also I think it's such a rogue transfer rumour that's really come out of nowhere. I do think he wants to leave Burnley because I think at the start of the window, I thought the Burnley back line, they're staying put because they're in such a solid system and it all suits them. The only way Ben Mee, Tarkowski and the other, and I think Charlie Taylor and I can't remember their right back or their left back would leave would be to like a top six side, like Tarkowski go to Arsenal because I think he'd be a great signing for Arsenal. He's very sort of that. Um, add Tony Adams sort of mould so I do think there is sort of something in him wanting to leave and the fact that we're the ones going for him because I think there might be something that is pushing him to leave I see the whole England one like him wanting to progress, progress his international career and signing for West Ham seems to help with that a bit compared to being at Burnley um, which I'm not sure about because Pope got a call up Heaton got a call up whereas only Declan Rice really in recent years has had a call up other than Antonio, but he never got his cap. And Cresswell, I don't even know how long that was when he made his debut. But if it if we are more attractive simply because we're in London, it's easier for Southgate to get to to watch games, then of course, and we could help him in that way, then I don't see why he wouldn't want to leave. I'm sure he's got in his own head that living in Brentford is different to where he'll be living if he has to play for West Ham. And at the end of the day, the way football, the way football is going, the money they're earning, it's not hard for him to like commute to Rush Green, really. The amount he'd probably be paid as one of our higher earners with eighty plus thousand pounds a week, he'd get a helicopter from his house in Burnley to Rush Green and just sort of arrive in style. Um, I don't know, what what do you guys think? Just a quick point here on the whole Tarkovsky setup here. Um, get French football news. Uh, I don't know how reliable they are, are tweeting out that uh, Leicester have bid 29 million euros for St. Etienne defender Wesley Fofana, um, who wants to come to the club. Leicester were West Ham's only competition, as far as I know, to signing Tarkovsky. And as well, um, Juan Car Navasarada, of, uh, he, he, he covers uh, Getafe, Getafe in uh, La Liga, is reporting that Leicester and West Ham are interested in Dejene uh 
Dakonam. I think he's from Togo. A pretty solid center back as far as I know from my limited experience. Um, but I think I just want to throw this in there because I think having no competition to sign Tarkovsky and having other options could make Burnley realize we better we maybe we accept the next bid that comes in if we want to cash in on him because 27, 28, 29, less years on the contract, maybe another injury pops up for him. Something could affect it where they may need to cash in now. I just wanted to throw that out there just so we're, we're up to date on them there. They won't get the money we're offering for him again unless uh-huh. some mental happens this season. He becomes like better than Van Dyke. But yeah, what were you guys sort of thinking about Tarkowski and if he would move to West Ham or not? Do you want to go first? Oh, yeah, go on then. Um, I think that, yeah, as you were saying, there's a big difference between um, Brentford and like even like nearer to Rush Green and everything. Um, I don't think these rumours would still be here if he didn't want to come. And I don't think we would have bid twice, potentially three times, if he wasn't interested at all. So I think I think that he probably does want to come. I think it might just be like the press and all of that. And I think, I think um, the Mail have reported, I think Jacob... Steensburg, is that his name? I think he's been pretty reliable throughout all of this and got most of the stuff right. And he's he said that David Moyes has been encouraged by the talks he's had with him. And so I don't think if he didn't want to come that we'd still be in for him. So I think he definitely is interested in the move. Yeah. Right? Yeah, just... I. I mean, it's quite uh, disappointing. It's not disappointing, but because it's the reality of the situation that the only reason why he would come is uh, because of his own career and to advance his own career rather than because we're an attractive, you know, proposition for players right now. But like, like I say, that is a reality of the situation. And I'm sure once he did arrive, if that were to happen, then I'm sure he'd put his... 100% Hundred uh, percent into the club and all into the club, whether that be because he wants to get in the England team or not. Uh, if we, if if he did put his all in and uh, display the kind of player that he's been, you know, shown for Burnley over the past few years, then we'll sure have an asset on our hands and he'll definitely improve our defence. And if he manages. To uh, you know, help us keep a clean, few clean sheets and improve our defence to the point where we finish higher than we did last season, and 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 ultimately we don't go down because at the minute where we are, we we look like one of the one of the potential relegation candidates, um, and I think it'll be money well spent overall uh, to basically you know keep us in the Premier League. Yeah. Does that answer your question, Adam? It does, yeah. Um, just another, as we're doing transfers here, another update. Looks like Aston Villa are going to sign Martinez, a keeper from uh, Arsenal. Um, so sign. another another uh, 15 million is the rumored fee, so not cheap. But um, he showed off he can, he can play last season, right? I'm surprised. I think that's a good deal. I'm surprised Arsenal didn't go. Yeah. Was a they didn't pay big for Leno. Staying as number one, but because uh, of based off how well he did, but they must be mm-hmm. expecting Leno to come back. So, 
Yeah. Well, I think he said he didn't want to be there if he wasn't going to be number one. Yeah. So. I think Aston Villa is quite a big drop for him. I think I can think of a few clubs where he could have got to instead of uh, maybe a bit higher up in the league. Like Southampton, I think they could do with a new goalkeeper, and they're probably yeah. I think they'll probably be battling for top ten this season. But yeah, I think that's uh, enough on transfers. Before I think we've got enough out of the very little transfer news that there is at the moment. Um, but obviously, one of the biggest things that keeps coming up and coming up and coming up is takeover rumours. And we're now going to sort of, sort of try go into a metaphorical situation. If a takeover did happen, regardless of who it was. What could they do to win fans like back? I don't think they need to do a lot to win fans over other than buy the club. Um, but what can they do to sort of improve life as a West Ham fan, really? Um, Jack, what, what, what's like the couple of things you'd like to see sort of change if a new owner was to come in? Oh, where do I begin? Um, obviously. I'd like to see a lot of investment in this squad, really, but like in the right ways. So, like obviously Everton, used they have a lot of money and they've got quite a wealthy owner, but they splashed money like and it was wasted quite a lot. But now that they've got the man at the right manager, it seems like they're investing it well. So I'd obviously love us to see, love to see us do that. Bit of a, another bit of a tall order, but I'd love us to have a proper stadium, really. Not sure how realistic that is at all, but if not a if not a new stadium, a um, a lot of changes to our current stadium to make it feel more like home. I think when Manchester City got taken over, they actually had a running track, and they turned the Etihad into a relatively good stadium. So yeah, it is it is possible to do that with the London Stadium rather than have, like knock it down and build an entirely new thing. But yeah. yeah, anything yeah. else? Or should we pass on before you go through? No, we'll pass on. A lot of content for everyone to get stuck into here. Yeah. Lou, what about you? Yeah, I think obviously what Jack said, but also um, as well as the stadium, the training ground, uh, yeah. training ground facilities. Obviously, everyone knows how documented, how how you know, substandard to put it to put it nicely that the training ground facilities are. And uh, it, it must have some effect on the squad and team. Uh, just overall, going into matches um, week upon week, training and such a such bad with such bad facilities and bad pitches. In comparison to, you know, you look down the road at Tottenham. I know they're a bigger club at the moment, but uh, you see the difference in you know facilities and it's absolutely night and day so i'd like to see them put a lot of investment into that whether they move you know move the training facilities or just revamp it completely uh and i think it's i know i know players don't get attracted to training facilities but i think it would i think it counts a lot more than people understand. yeah exactly yeah. Uh, i remember when pellegrini came in he he spoke about how below par the training facilities was, and obviously he's managed at such giant clubs, Real Madrid, uh, Man City, obviously, and so he's he's seen he's seen the elite and what 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 clubs can do, and then he got a massive reality check when he came in. So, uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I think one of my friend's dads, he's like a farmer down in Sussex and he did a lot of like the turfing for the new Brighton sort of training ground. And he was there on the same day. I think, I can't remember the name of the player. I think it's like Tixera, uh, uh, Benfica, young midfielder. And he was being chased by loads and loads of clubs. And he went to, and he ended up going on Brighton to loan, I think when they were still in the championship. But it, one of the reasons he cited was because of the training uh, facilities they had there. Like this young kid being chased by da, 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 whoever you are and going, no, I want to go to Brighton because like, I feel it's, there's where I'm actually going to be spending most of my time and where I'm going to be training seems the best fit for me. So I think it's something that really needs to be changed, especially at West Ham. I mean, every time you see the photos of the porter cabins, I know, I know, yeah, I know it's not actually not at all important what it looks like. It's what's behind the wall and the equipment inside it, but it's still sort of pride First impressions. Yeah, first impressions of turning up to that race. I don't know if any of you have watched the Amazon Prime Tottenham where they turn up to the training ground and it's just... Or the pictures of the new Leicester one that they're building. It just looks incredible. Like, it looks like something that the Avengers would be training in. I mean, we're supposed to be the 20th richest club in the world and we've got porter cabins. It must be so disappointing for, like, new signings coming in to see, like... The training facilities, and then you get to the porter cabins and go, Oh, we get the wrong place. Like, oh, no, this is it. <laughs> I always enjoyed it comparisons to like year seven schools, temporary classrooms that stay there. <laughs> um, Adam, what about you? What would you like to sort of see changed at the club? You guys have checked off the major things there. I think I would just go for more infrastructure, uh, like you guys have been suggesting, and say, like maybe five scouts to start just as a minimum, <laughs> send them out to the major leagues. Um, but also um, get a director of football in who's like a separate entity of the manager and the board, but works with both of them. So David Moyes says he wants young English players to build around that have a lot of speed or a lot of pace. So he, you know, and then can take players suggestions and builds up a list on that. Whereas um, we saw with Pellegrini and uh, Husilios, Husilios wasn't really a director of football. He was just a negotiator for Pellegrini. So Pellegrini would say, I want this player. Husilios would go do that instead of uh, Pellegrini having to do anything. From the looks of it or sounds of it from the outside, that's what it seemed like. So more infrastructure. And then it allows for, you know, Jack, you said you wanted more investment in the first team. It allows for better investment in the first team, right? You, you have these gems you're uncovering. Um, like like Leicester or Brentford, for example, two great yeah. clubs with great directors of football um, and who have changed managers, I think, in the past while. So um, just a little bit more emphasis on things behind the scenes, because even like you had said, Henry, it's not what the outset look or what the outside looks like. It's what's happening behind the walls with the training ground. It's a great metaphor for how football clubs run. Right. It may not be sexy to say take a bunch of million pounds off and invest it in the training ground, like Pellegrini said, or to hire some scouts. To be honest, if they send, if they made X the scout for the championship, I would be completely happy because we would have James Madison, we we would have uh, Ben Rama, we would have Ollie Watkins. Like these are these are players we we'd, be, we'd have on the team right now. So just a little more investment. There. He wouldn't have sold Dean Garner, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We would have had Eze as well. Yeah, Eze. A think... team of nine attacking uh, midfielders and <laughs> the rest centre-backs. If you've got that quality going forward, you don't need a defence. <laughs> no. I think for me, and I think this is something... I, like, when I went and did a stadium tour, I took it really surprising. It's not something I don't 
I sort of didn't realise wasn't spoken about enough. But so the box that Golden Sullivan are currently in, they actually own personally. It's not part of the stadium. It's not part of the club. They own it personally. And in there are, although not a lot, the trophies of West Ham United. On the stadium tour, you're not allowed to go into the box because it's personal property. So you can't see West Ham's 1980 FA Cup. You can't see the other trophies we have, which I think is almost like the more, most insulting thing I can think of, actually, for the board to do. Whether it's not investing in players, not investing in training ground, taking us and ripping down the old stadium. The last thing remaining of our history are these trophies. And to keep them away from fans who pay a lot of money to go see it. And the stadium tour is not cheap to do. And not to be able to see our silverware rather than have them actually displayed. Like, because we only have so few, you can display it even more proudly. Like, look, we have won the FA Cup. We have won the famous Intertoto Cup. We have won our playoff finals when we've been in them. So that would be one for me. If, if, a, if a new uh, person came in charge of the club would be to build some sort of trophy room or whether it's in the stadium or in the club store outside the stadium or just somewhere, somewhere to display our trophies. Because I still can't get my head around what, like, the fact they're hidden away and, like, sort of kept for Sullivan and Gold to enjoy, but not the fans that were here before and will be here after them. So that, for me, would definitely be something that would get me on side immediately. Because, I mean... I'm only 24, 25 next month. Like, I've only seen West Ham win the Intertoto Cup when I was a child. And I was at the game when we won the playoff final. But an FA Cup, I'd love to see West Ham's FA Cup. But with the current ownership, I'm not going to be able to be allowed to see it unless I befriend our owners and get invited into their box. <laughs> two two points, just, just to back up here. If there's any, like, American or Canadian listeners, look at, um, as far as training facilities, just Google uh, Dallas Cowboys training facility. Um, whoever would beat up the Avengers would train there. Henry, if, if we want to do the comparison. Mm-hmm. Um, just for investment in the team there. But also, um, I, I'm from, I live in Toronto. The Toronto Maple Leafs in, like, the last five or six years completely decided we haven't won a championship since 1967 uh so they completely decided to break everything down start over rebranding and everything and they really embraced the culture and the history of the club with so many players and one of the big things they did was reminiscent of the billy bonds uh sort of reintroduction is they embraced a a, a player named dave keon who had a huge rift with ownership at the time that was never repaired they brought in a former player brendan shanahan to run as the president run the club and he sort of started repairing all of these relationships and brought the club, brought the team back to like a prominent place, at least off the ice. Um, so everything you're saying, Henry, is like is a, a positive and it helps people, people and supporters have like an identity with the team more than just struggling every single season. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Did you guys know that our trophies are like locked away in this private box? No, no, I. I I did the stadium tour and they just showed off that metal ring around the room. And then they were like, oh, yeah, it's in the shape of the trophies. I didn't know that they were there, but locked up. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name that sort of took us around. I think he's probably the same one that's done every single tour. But we got to the box and he showed us like, oh, this is the doorway. It's like the Queen Elizabeth box, I think it's called. I was like, oh, but as we were there, I was like, oh, where do they display like the trophies for the fans? Like, do, do you get to see them on the tour? And he was like, oh, no, they're actually in there and it's private property so we can't go in and actually see them and i think he even looked, looked to me like 
that's not right. And it's a bit odd, isn't it? Yeah, I just found it. I was just a bit, a bit speechless about it. It was just like I can't imagine many other football clubs you go into and you not be able to see the trophies that they've won. It's like, like they won them or something. Yeah, exactly. It's that sort of pers- like personal. We've got them kind of thing. Mm. Uh, even though they weren't the owners when we won them, bar the playoff final, they can have that one uh, if they want to have it as a private thing. Even though it should still belong to the club. I mean, it just sort of goes back to the whole um, the Bowden Garden that was sort of left to uh, just get trashed really when we left Upton Park and they had to go do an apology that they've left it and then revitalize it all. The fact that the gates were sort of taken as well with them, but then they were, weren't displayed immediately. And then they were put up in the shop after pressure. So it's just a lot of things like that. I'd like to see re-given back to the fans of like, we are going to have that statue that we said we were going to do. We are going to move that statue. We're not just going to leave it behind. We're going to put our trophies on display. We're going to help out with the previous businesses that we left behind at Upton Park because the Tottenham ground, like they've stayed and they keep and they keep giving back to the community. Whereas our move seems to have just left that behind. I know some people say there's been some support, but I'd be very, very surprised to see if it's still ongoing. Um, so I'd like to see a new owner sort of take that sort of the like the ownership of Leicester. They do so much for the community. I think they've even built a hospital. I'd love to see an owner come in and do something like that. Um, but yeah, so hopefully if if any potential investors are listening, you know what to do. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be right back for the final part of the Green Street Hammers YouTube podcast. Um, we'll be previewing the season opener against Newcastle United. Welcome back to the Green Street Hammers YouTube podcast. Uh, we've already just spoken about some Hammers polls questions and we've done the Tarkovsky rumours. And if any new owners are listening, we've given you some good ideas. Uh, now the Premier League is starting and returning. Something for us all to look forward to, I'm sure, after an exciting summer of very little positive transfer activity. Um, but yeah, Adam's going to sort of take the reins here as our sort of match go-to guy for the moment. I love it. <laughs> uh, and it's going to be it's going to be more conversational because I, there's not much to really predict here. Um, well, I mean, there's predictions to predict, I guess. But uh, when it comes to Newcastle, I think um, Newcastle and West Ham are kind of parallel in a lot of ways teams with good history uh, Newcastle better history when it comes to the to, to the league itself but uh, and both teams have owners that they don't really love that being said Mike Ashley is now fighting the Premier League because he wants to take over to happen uh, is investing a solid amount of money into his team to improve the starting 11 uh, and is not stopping the second one because the first one didn't happen. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Newcastle fan specifically. But uh, as far as West Ham's concerned, they're almost trending in a different direction. So um, we should start with the three new signings. Ryan Frazier on a free. Uh, Callum Wilson, our beloved Callum Wilson, uh, for $20 million, And it was uh, Lewis, I believe, Jamal Lewis, uh, the left back for... Um, Fifteen million, twelve to fifteen million, something like that. Uh, so three strong signings, and actually, I don't, did you guys see the video clip of Andy Carroll having dinner with Fraser and uh, Richie and Wilson? Yeah, I haven't seen the clip. It's it's great. It's Kay Carroll basically says Richie to Bournemouth. No, we're bringing Bournemouth to Richie, and they all start laughing because I mean it's a it's a huge it's a huge swing there. So um, ironically, it's it's two of Bournemouth's best players stepping into the Newcastle starting 11. Um, Almiron won't have to play 
the left wing anymore. He'll probably play more centrally. Um, Jolinton gets rotation as well as Carroll at striker. And then uh, Lewis steps in as their left back because last year they had uh, Jetro Williams on loan and uh, Danny Rose on loan, I believe. And then they still had injuries, so they, had, they were throwing players in their left, right, and center. Um, Lou, I'll come to you to start with, and then uh, Jack and Henry, you guys can fight it out afterwards. Which of those three players do you think will have will have the biggest impact against West Ham come the weekend? Um, I think historically you can't really look past Callum Wilson, can you? I think... Is seven in eight games against us, and yeah, even so. and even made a. I think he made a quip the other day about, you know, being looking forward to facing us as you know, he he's fully fully aware of his record against us. So uh, it is quite frightening prospect, not because he's an amazing player, just because we have these kind of voodoo's against us, and and Callum Wilson's one of them. Uh, Fraser. I think I read that he's not likely to start anyway because obviously with him missing the end of Bournemouth's season he's, he's not played in a long, long time. So if he makes a sub-appearance then I think that'll be at most. And uh, Lewis, I'm, I, I wish we were in for him. I don't know really why we weren't. Uh, but uh, obviously he's gone to Newcastle now, so I think he'll make a big difference to their left-hand side. Uh, I know he's highly rated. I know Norwich fans were uh, highly rated him. And um, yeah, I think I think I think overall the three very good signings will improve the first team eventually, if not straight away. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm quite jealous the moves they're making, but. I think uh, Wilson is always going to be a threat against us and I just hope we can somehow contain him uh, because he's he's fast, he's a good finisher and, you know, it's his debut so he could be well due a goal. be a real shame if Ogbonna sent a knee directly into his leg or something like that. That would be... Never wish injury on anyone, but, jeez, that would be terrible. <laughs> Yeah, I think I saw the clip where he was being interviewed. I think it was by Sky, and the guy was like, "Oh, so you're looking forward to the start of the season?" And it was Wilson that brought. I was like, "Oh yeah, we're playing West Ham." Like he, as you were saying, like he's fully aware of it. I think that might, I think I would be surprised if there was an offer from us for him and Newcastle, and he went, "Well, if I take the West Ham one, I can't play against them." <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think, in my opinion, in terms of the. I think I think Lou sort of got it bang on. Just the fact Wilson's got that record against us and. It's hard to see him not adding to it. Um, but I think I'm more worried about their existing players of Almiron and St. Maximum than actually any of their new signings. Like I think Frazier's unlikely to play, as they said, because he's not match fit. Callum Wilson, he's only just joined. It's a long, it's a lot you got to do to like get used to a new team and a new system, especially going from Bournemouth to Newcastle. Huge lifestyle change. And Jamal Lewis, I think we did fairly well against him last season. We put six goals past Norwich. So um, I'm not too worried about him uh, hurting us too badly. So I think it's more the existing players and if they hit the ground running and the way they ended last season, especially St. Maximum and Armouron, like Armouron scored against us in the last game. So I think that's where I'm more worried about. And I think John Joe Shelby might be fit for the game after he had a bit of a knock. And 
he always t- finds a way of scoring a goal against us, whether or not it's Newcastle or... Moral deeds are insane assists from him, eh? Yeah, exactly. I, th- I think that's why we keep getting linked to buy him. It's just the fact that he can't do it against us. Um, but yeah, like Jack, you 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 take the rain, take the rain. Yeah, I think you've all said what I'm going to say. Really, it's going to be it's just written in the stars that Callum Wilson scores against us in the opening day. Like, we we all know it's going to happen. Uh, oh, I really don't like <laughs> that little that little touch of magic comment. That yeah, not a fan. I think we all know that he's going to come back and buy us yet again. It's almost not fair. It's, it's hard for a left back to really impact a team, especially when we're, we're kind of thinking like Callum Wilson's going to score goals. And I guess as a left back, he could shut down Jared Bowen, but I don't like his odds of doing that. Even seeing at the end of the season last year, <clears throat> Bowen was insane and, and Norwich uh, went out with a fight, I guess you could say. So, yeah, I think we're, we're all in the same agreement here. Although Ryan Fraser, he didn't even play for the second half of last season and he has the third highest assists in the last two years in the Premier League. So, I mean... The season, the season before, he created an insane amount and then dropped off last season because he knew it was like the last year of his contract and he wanted to move. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of the numbers are sort of carrying over from 2017-18. Yeah. But even still, I just I can see him coming off the bench in the 70-something minute, whips in a cross, Andy Carroll's fresh on... Boom! Right into the back of the net. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be Callum Wilson. Carroll's had a good preseason as well. Yeah. I mean, how 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 West Ham is it for Andy Carroll to be doing keepy uppies in the box and spin around and bang a volley into the back of the net? So, yeah, we we can't catch a break even with players that aren't on our team anymore. It seems. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on to West Ham's side of things here. Uh, now. I want to see how many goals you guys think West Ham are going to score because in the preseason, it wasn't really an issue. Uh, even against Bournemouth, we managed to put three by them. Uh, I want you to tell me if you think we're going to be playing with an attacking force of three midfielders and one striker or two wide midfielders and two strikers. So basically a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2. Uh, and who you think will get in the goals for West Ham. Um, I'll, I'll start here and lubricate things. I think we're going to see... Sebastian Allaire jammed down our throats as much as possible to try and get him going, especially before the the tougher fixtures start. Um, so I think we're going to go 4-4-2, Antonio and Allaire. And then on the left side, I think we'll probably see four nows over uh, Felipe Anderson and then uh, Jared Bowen on the right. I would give... I think West Ham are going to be lucky to score two goals. They have really tall center backs, Kieran Clark, Fernandez. They may not be Lejeune, Lascelles, all of them. They may not be the most talented group, like world-class group, if you will, but they know how to do their job well, and they clog up the air really well. Um, so I'll say two for West Ham, and I think Antonio and Bowen will get on the score sheet there. Um, but, uh, Jack, let's come to you. What, what do you think? What's the formation, and, and who's scoring? Well, I think Halle will be played up front alone, as per usual, really. So <laughs> I think we can, yeah, I think we can expect that. Um I think, yeah, I think probably 2-1 to us, I think, because it's really important that we get the point, that we win this game, really. If you look at our fixtures after that, you've got to think, how many are we going to get? We have to get them then. So I'm going to be hopeful and say that I think we'll win 2-1. I think Suchek and Haller. 
to get the goals for us. And obviously, Callum Wilson's going to get his customary goal for for them. So you think uh, you think Suchek will will play? I I agree with you that I think he'll play, but uh, yeah, there's not much of a of a choice, is there? No, I, th- I think I think so. We we need him. Like if he's not ready to play, I think he'll probably get played anyway. I'm not going going to be honest, really. Both sides of the ball, he's such an impact. Henry, what do you think? Score formation? What do you what do you got? Oh, I I just don't like it when we play a four four two. I just swear, I just. Just don't get excited about it. I think it's probably best for Haller to be played up top of Antonio and you can only really do a 4-4-2 to do that because we don't have the players to do anything other exciting than like a 3-4-1-2 or however many players that is. But like a five at the back, then three and then two. Um, I'd like to see us for the first game go with like our strongest, best possible team, um, which I think is Fabianski, Maziraku at left back. I think he's got one over Cresswell from preseason. It's not the best, but I think it's better. Um, He's not English at all. <laughs> Ogbonna, Diop has to be. Ryan Fredericks at right back. I think he's probably still got the edge over Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson in his preseason game against Bournemouth didn't really leave a lot to be desired. Um, I stand with Ben Johnson's protest. Yeah, yeah being dragged from 20 minutes, but... Because of that, you've got to give it to Fredericks. Like, if Johnson's still feeling aggrieved, you can't risk playing him until you sort sort out that issue. I I I agree. I, I'd like Suchek to play no matter what condition he's in, really, because he's that good and that important for us. But I can see him being that second half substitute, and I think we'll probably start with Rice and Noble as the holding midfield, which I think like it's not the worst in the world. It just depends how Noble's feeling that day, really, and if Rice has sort of got what he needed to get out of the England games to go back to where he was last season for us. I think we'll have, like, obviously the three behind the strike, and I'd like to see Anderson, Fornals, Bowen as that three at the moment, uh, and Antonio as the striker, and have Haller for the second half when everyone's a bit tired and he can be that battering ram. Not that he has shown that he can do that role. He's come on in the second half. I always think back to the Burnley game and after the restart where everyone, oh, here comes Haller, he's going to bully everyone who's tired. And then the first thing didn't go in for him and he sort of just moped around for the rest of it. But I think Anderson, he sh- he's shown quality in pre-season. He's got a great goal from the corner um, against Bournemouth. I think for Nels, he needs a good go at that 10 roll because I think that's his best position. And Lanzini, I think he's just missing out at the moment. Like, I'll always want it to work for Lanzini. I think every every West Ham fan will, because I think he's given so much to the club. And I think a lot of the criticism he gets at the moment is not unjust, but like forgetting what he has done for the club. And Jaron Bowen's like, he's got the right wing spot for ever, really, in terms of my mind. The amount I was pushing for us to sign him before we did, he can have that. And I will name the East Stand after him. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, I think that's how we'll line up. I think I enjoyed how you said how tall Newcastle went Bowen would score. <laughs> Adam, the short He's too quick on the break. On the break, that's where we'll come in. I think my score prediction, I would love to be as optimistic as you guys, but I don't see us winning. I think we'll be good to get out with a draw. I think my prediction is 1-1 or 2-all. I think it'll probably be 2-all, very similar to... The game at St. James' Park last season, which I don't think it's not a bad point, Newcastle. 
And I'll probably, I think Declan Rice is going to get an early season goal out of nowhere. And Jared Bowen's going to carry on where he was from preseason. And he's going to be the hero as he was for that fan who bought the old shirt number and he replaced it and then made the entire club replace all of the old shirts, which I think is an absolute great move by him. Um, but yeah, that's my predictions. Two all Rice and Bowen to score. I like that. And, but you did say, depending on how Rice plays, and if we go and ask Leeds fans, Rice should just probably pack it in and retire because he doesn't have it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that works out. Lou, why, why don't you give us your, uh, your score prediction and your formation and who you think is going to have the biggest impact on the score sheet? Yeah, I know we've glossed over Suchek, but even if he was only 80% fit, I'd definitely still play him you know, be the impact that he brings to the team, like you said, both offensively and defensively. He's uh, gelled well with Rice in such a short space of time, and I think that is certainly, you know, our our best option going forward. Um, and I, th- I, th- I always refer back to the Southampton game last season at home, where, would, in my opinion, probably... The, apart from his first game against Bournemouth, probably Moyes' you know, best game over 90 minutes, a full 90 minutes. I think the front four finals, Bowen, Allaire and Antonio on that day, it, there wasn't really a set formation. It was kind of 4-4-2 sometimes and Antonio supporting. It was very free-flowing in attack. And I'd, I'd like to see that kind of performance again, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure whether Moyes will risk going that attacking on the first game of the season uh, but I'd certainly have uh, Suchek and Rice in the middle like I say I'd, I'd, I'd agree with Masawaku at left back although I think he will opt for Cresswell because uh, he seems to be his favourite out of the two and uh, I, I agree that I'd rather have Fredrickson at the minute based on Based solely on last week, to be honest, it might be a bit unfair to, you know, keep harping on about last week for Johnson, but he did look very, you know, immature in that game. Uh, uh, based based on his, you know, his lunges and and uh, <laughs> and his early early yellow card that could have easily been a red card. Um, but yeah, I'd I'd. I'd like I'd, I'd like that four four two slash you know just free flowing. That can easily go into a four three three with Antonio on one on one wing, Bowen on the other, and Fanal's you know kind of drifting in the middle with Suchek and Rice behind them. Uh, as for the score, I'd I'd. I mean, I wrote an article before saying it's a must win, so I think I'm going to have to go for a win. Uh, and I'll say we're not going to keep a clean sheet let's be honest I'm just thinking about how many goals we'll score I'll go I'll go you know I'll go 3-1 the same score as the Southampton game I don't know why I keep referring to that game like it happens all the time (laughs) but it's it's only one of the good games from last season so so, uh, I'd like to see a repeat of that 3-1 Bowen Brace and uh, uh, yeah, Suchek as well. I can certainly see him popping up with a goal. 
No so one can ever no one can ever suggest you're not thinking hard about this, especially with the video out now, Lou, because I thought we were gonna see a fire break out between your ears there, thinking about what the score was gonna be. But I like the positivity. Three goals four, one against. That's a, only allowing one goal is almost more positive than thinking we're gonna score three. So you're doubling down. I really appreciate that. Um, but as far as the game's concerned, um, it's going to be a mental hurdle, I think, for West Ham to to get over first because there's been so much going on in and out of the actual first team and, and how the team's playing. So we'll see if they can forget about the Betway Cup, remember their better earlier games, uh, and push on with that. I think what'll need to happen, and you know, knock on wood, uh, this is really relying on injuries, is that we need stability in the starting eleven. We need that starting 11 to be the same. Uh, I mean, we'll say at the, the end of September, once the transfer window comes to an end, um, for a majority of games, so we know what to expect. The players know what to expect from each other. Uh, I think the upgrade at left back, should it come, will free up someone like like Felipe Anderson, who's had to, become, you know, had to be covering back for so long. And I do agree with what you guys were all saying about Mazuaku playing over Cresswell. Cresswell... Uh, we know what he is, and it's not great. Uh, but we also know that Mazuaku is so much better than him in the attacking half. Uh, and while he may take more risks, and it drives me absolutely nuts that he had, tries to hold on to possession down the wing, and then someone will pass him the ball, and he'll just let it slip by him and go out. It drives me nuts. It happens at least once a game that he plays. But he can also sprint back and at least get back when he makes a mistake. We've seen Cresswell. You can watch him every single match. If the if possession gets turned over, he puts his head down and starts trotting back super slow. Whereas Mazuaku, because he usually turns over the ball, is thinking, I've got to get back and make up for my mistake. And he has the actual pace to do that. So I agree. There's a lot more upside with him. And, and you could potentially get one of those signings, uh, sorry, one of those moments where, you know, that cross comes over the top to Arnautovic and he hits it on the volley and, you know, it's a it's a wonderful goal. So I think we're we're all there uh, with the, the starting 11. Whether it's going to be an attacking midfielder or second striker, we'll see. Uh, but like Lou said, a team that is fluid with how they play can be a, sort of a surprise and a shock to the opposition. So there's a lot to, to like with that as well. Um a couple things as we're recording right now. This has been the most action-packed time for West Ham Twitter in like the most in like the last month. Uh, West Ham coming off of uh, X, X and Dave's podcast for the West Ham way. Uh, all of the news outlets are picking it up now. They've finished their podcast feeds. Uh, Jack Wilshere is in uh, talks to terminate his contract at West Ham. Likely would be a payout there uh, from West Ham to to get him off 100k a week and. Uh, there was another piece of West Ham news here that I've seemed to have lost. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, uh, Wilshere canceling his contract. Maybe that's it. Um, either way, it's all... I think that would be a positive because it would open the, the the line for Josh Cullen to get more time, who looked great against Bournemouth, as well as Connor Coventry, who's been nothing but a, a rock star in the academy and, and for Lincoln when he was away on loan. So, uh, Henry, do you want to wrap things up here yeah happy to do so i always do really well at this i'm sure Lou will tell you from last week (laughs) um but no it's been really nice talking to you guys hopefully the season starts a lot exactly how you guys think it will be and less so how i think it will be although if it's worse than what i think then next week will be a lot of fun i'm sure as gsb out uh, brigade will be very much at full force, I'm sure, on Twitter, especially as the fact no one will be at the game to express their feelings there. 
But yeah, for this week at least, um, that's all from us at Green Street Hammers. Come on, you irons! Rain.